Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Taking Care of Business podcast. My name is Renee Shagnon, and I'm the producer for the podcast and the retail engagement specialist here at the North American Hardware and Paint Association. Today, I'm joined by... Hi, it's Lindsay Thompson, Senior Editor with NHPA, and Renee and I are so excited to be on the podcast together today. We're going to be talking about the NHPA Independence Conference, which we just got back from, gosh, it's been two weeks. It was took place in Dallas on August 2nd and 3rd, and um, we're just excited to tell you guys a little bit about uh, the event. Yeah. So I'll start and I'll kind of share a little bit about my experience from attending the show. Um, the last one of the last episodes, I was talking about ways that retailers could really um, take advantage of market season. And it's a little different than typical market season, but it was fun getting back out there. Um, overall, the energy of all the retailers that I interacted with at the show was just extremely positive. Um, and I, I personally love getting to connect with retailers in our industry, getting to meet people that I didn't um, I hadn't met before or they didn't even know who we were. And part of that was um, Orgel hosted an event in town as well, kind of in conjunction with us. And so some of their um, attendees came to our show. And so it was a really synergistic um, thing to have them there. Um, we also had Do It Best had a presentation, um, but overall just had so many great interactions with retailers. One of my favorite moments at the booth was I'm really good friends with a retailer who's from the Pacific Northwest and me and him were chatting about his business. And then another person came up and she's newer to the industry and um, just getting to connect those two together. And they were, they had ideas and you could almost see the light bulb over their head of excitement for different things that they were kind of thinking through. And that was kind of what we wanted this whole event to be about is bringing retailers together from different wholesalers that might not have met otherwise and giving them that chance to really um, network, um, to focus on technology and and learn all about that through some of our awesome keynote uh, presentations, which I know Lindsay will talk a little bit more about. Um, and then for me, I'm, I'm there to just kind of spread the word of how great um, our association is and, and all the things we're trying to do to help independent retailers become better, more profitable business owners. So um, at my booth, people came up and I talked all about the Academy for Retail Development. Um, and so within that, there is our premier membership and, and those who are premier members get access to all of our online training materials. Um, if you're hearing this and you're like, I need to get training, I might be a member, or I'm not sure if I'm a member, um, please feel free to reach out to me. My email, if you want to learn more, is r-c-h-a-n-g-n-o-n at your nhpa.org. Um, and you can also go to our website, yournhpa.org slash education slash academy to learn about all the things that we provide in in our realm of educational materials. Um, we can either support you through our online training, like I mentioned, we have our online foundations courses, um, our retail management certification program, that's a six month college level course. And then of course, um, we're also promoting all of the great things that Kim Peffley, a former retailer and now consultant with our company does to support retailers in the industry. So whatever you're looking for, we probably have a solution for you. Um, and that was kind of my whole purpose at the show is just to talk about all the great things that we're doing and wanting to make sure that people knew about them. So again, if, if you weren't at the 
the show. Um, we'd love to have you come next year, but maybe uh, next I'll see if Lindsay can share a little bit of her favorite takeaways from the show, and then you'll definitely want to make sure you sign up. Yeah, thanks, Renee. Yeah, Dallas was hot. It was hot, hot, hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also hot talking about um, the different trends um, in technology. We had two really great keynote speakers, uh, John Rossman, a former Amazon executive, and Chris Hood, a former Google executive. And um, they shared some great information on innovating uh, for leadership and uh, this idea of digital transformation and digital acceleration. Um, We also had some really great panels that covered everything um, from inventory management, customer engagement, cybersecurity, all within the realm of how you can use technology to solve these common uh, challenges in our industry. I think my favorite part was the Top Guns panel. So the NHPA, every year we honor award-winning retailers in the industry. And this year we had two, we had three Top Guns, uh, Scott Summers from Hartville Hardware, Eric Hassett from Hassett Hardware, and TJ Colson from Wilco Stores. And they uh, just kind of shared their technology journey and their strategies and how um, they've really used innovation to um, become as, as successful as they as they are. And then another highlight for me was um, our Young Retail of the Year Awards program. We honored a record-breaking 11 retailers this year. And these are retailers who are 35 years and younger who are just outstanding in the industry. And it was just really cool to hear um, from each of them at our reception um, and get to celebrate them. Building off of that, um, we actually are going to have a bunch of episodes following this that are going to be highlighting each of these Young Retailer of the Year honorees. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Wouldn't you say, Lindsay? She yep. had some great interviews and conversations with them one-on-one. Yep. I was a little biased because I got to interview each and every one of the 11 honorees, but this class is phenomenal. And so I think you'll all enjoy tuning in for that. And then also we'll be celebrating um, the honorees at the end of September on September 27th at 2 p.m. We'll be doing a virtual award ceremony and you can register for that at your nhpa.org slash Y-R-O-T-Y dash virtual. Um, and that'll just be a really fun uh, time to get together virtually um, with the honorees, with our program sponsors and with um, other people in the industry to celebrate these amazing retailers. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, I still just can't believe after months and months of planning and preparation for the event, it's crazy to think that it's already come and gone. Um, And so one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to give our listeners a taste of of this event. Um, And what better way could we give people a chance to feel like you're at the show than um, letting you listen to our own Dan Trottenchuk's presentation on the state of the industry focused on where we're headed? Dan is our chief operating officer and publisher for NHPA, and I have to say he's just an amazing speaker. Um, He has so many great insights on our industry, and that was one of the um, presentations that I was able to sit through, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I I hope that you enjoy um, Dan's Dan's, uh, presentation today, and um, I think, Lindsay, do you have any thoughts on the presentation before we get into it? You know, I really enjoyed um, his the biggest key takeaway for me was just we're in it together as an industry, you know, no matter what flag you're flying, as we like to say, no matter what association wholesaler you're with, um, 
you know, we are stronger together. So I think that was a, a huge takeaway from, for me. Yeah. So, um, but before we send you guys off to Dan and his awesome state of the industry address, we have to say a big thank you to our, um, conference sponsors. The event would have not um, been possible without their support. Um, our wholesale partners were do it best Oracle and true value. Our platinum sponsors were Midwest fastener and steel. Our gold sponsor was Benjamin Moore. Silver sponsors were Badger Technologies, Hardlines, Kelly Moore Paint, and Paladin Data Corporation. And our bronze sponsors, ECI and Unilog. Thank you guys so much for all of your support and for making our events a success. Yeah, thank you again. And if after hearing us chat, you're you're regretting and having FOMO that you didn't attend, um, I understand. I've been that way with different events in my life as well. So make sure to go to yournhpa.org slash 2024 to make sure that you're the first one notified when we send out more information about our 2024 NHPA Independence Conference. We would love to have you there. And if you went, maybe you have some insights and want to share those with us as well. So I shared my email earlier. You're welcome to send me an email or comment on our social media, and we'd love to engage with you and hear about your um, experience at the event. So without further ado, let's get into Dan's presentation. Guys, we have a packed program today, and I'm gonna try and move through. We're gonna go at pretty quick pace here, talking about this state of the industry. But I think it is hugely important as we gather together, whenever we get a group of retailers together, me or Kim or Scott is gonna just gravitate and say, oh, we wanna talk to them all. And, and, and a big reason for that is because we, see, we, we have the ability that we can step back and observe. I've had people before in my career of speaking and so on say, hey Dan, what, where was your store? And I'm like, I, I never, I've never had a store. I, I, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't have the courage to sign out a second mortgage on my house and risk my family's legacy and say, I'll take that on because I think I can make this work. I, I, I haven't done that. But it's, it's a huge compliment when people say they think I have. My background is, a, I was a journalist. I was a business writer. And then I got involved with the association. But what does a journalist do? We step back. It, well, the, that might be defined a little differently today. But in the, in the traditional sense, what does a journalist do? We observe. And we see what's going on. And we report back to our readers, back to our viewers, whatever it is, on what we are seeing. We are a professional observer. And so that's what I've done for my 27-year career in this industry. I've observed what's going on, and I get to go a lot of places, talk to a lot of retailers, and, and we get to share that. And through all that time, 27 years, guys, we are at a hugely critical crossroads right now. I talked yesterday about when I started in the industry, the big thing was, how are we going to compete against the big boxes? Well, you've kind of figured that out. I am more concerned right now about the future of independent retailing than I have been in over a quarter century of watching this industry. And we're going to talk through some of that. Um, we've said this multiple times, but we have a very simple mission at NHPA. Our mission is to help independent home improvement and paint and decorating retailers regardless of affiliation. Like we said, when you come to our events, we, we put down your flags. 
regardless of those affiliations, become better and more profitable. We want to help each and every one of these organizations that is an independent operator in this channel become better. That's our sole purpose. We are a not-for-profit. We've been doing this for 123 years. That's all we have going for us. We don't also sell bicycles on the side. This is all we do. And I started adding this to my presentations that I give throughout the industry because I get a lot of retailers or even wholesalers or industry partners that say, Dan, what's the difference between a successful independent retailer and your average independent retailer? And I love this quote from a great movie called A League of Their Own where Tom Hanks talking about baseball to one of his players says, baseball is supposed to be hard. If it were easy, everyone would do it. And it is exactly the same thing for being a successful independent retailer. If you look around this room, that's the first step. It's not easy. There is no magic formula. It's pouring over sheets of information. It's focusing on what can I do tomorrow to make my business that incremental step better than it was yesterday. It's hard. And there are a lot of what I would call elite retailers in this room. And there are a lot of elite retailers that are going to be on the stage today. And the big difference between them and a business that's middling along is that they work hard at it. And it's so encouraging that you guys are here saying, you know what? I'm going to work hard at my business. I'm going to come and network with people. I'm going to get on a plane, as miserable as that is these days, and come to an event like this so I can work on my business. I'm gonna put in that hard work. So let's talk about what's going on in home improvement retailing right now. I love this. Years ago, some of you may have been at this event. We used to do, uh, in conjunction with the National Hardware Show, an event called International Hardware Week. And it was a lot of things like this going on in the week. And they had gotten president and CEO of Lowe's at the time. And this was back in the late 90s when big boxes were just promulgating all over the country. And he stood up on stage and said, independent home improvement operators trying to compete against big boxes. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. They don't really have any hope of being successful basically saying, we are going to sink them. He's been gone from Lowe's for quite a while. Who's still here? The independent retailers. Independent retailers in this industry could be a case study in how you change and adapt to the times. And right now, we are at one of those inflection points, just like when the big boxes started to emerge but it's a different kind of competitor we're facing. And we're gonna talk about some of those challenges that we're facing. It's not even a singular competitor. It's a wide variety of things. But the biggest thing, the biggest single challenge, it would be easy if we could paint a villain and say, oh, it's Lowe's, oh, it's Home Depot. The villain right now is apathy. The villain right now is inability to adapt or unwillingness to adapt. When I give presentations to groups of retailers, literally two years ago I gave a presentation. The title of the presentation, which I'm sure John Rossman would appreciate, 
was how to Amazon proof your business. And at that time, I literally had retailers coming up to me after the presentation saying, you know, you said businesses have to have a website. My customers don't want me to have a website. They like talking to me. That was two years ago. I could not imagine running a business in any sense today without a website. But something has occurred over the last two years that has accelerated all of the thinking, that has accelerated the way customers interact with businesses. And that's what we've been through with the pandemic. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Throughout the history of home improvement retailing, something, however, has always spelled the demise of the independent home improvement retailer. One of my fa favorite things, I told you, NHPA has been around for 123 years. I'm going to see the old timers in the room. Who here, raise your hands, knows who Mr. Oswald is? Okay, literally, this is a, this is a generational thing, like two hands back there. Mr. Oswald was a cartoon that ran in our magazine, Hardware Retailing, for 80 years. Really interesting fact, Mr. Oswald was, of all cartoon strips, the longest running cartoon strip drawn by a single individual. Longer than Peanuts, longer than Garfield, longer than all of those. And there's actually people out there outside of the industry that, that know the artist and know all this. Well, one of my favorite things, and we have this original artwork in our office, it was the cover of our magazine back in 1977 when Mr. Oswald was celebrating his 50th anniversary. And it's kind of hard to see, but, whoop, oh no. But it's an illustration. Mr. Oswald ran a hardware store and he had a cast of characters that worked at the store and got into goofy situations and all that stuff. But this illustration shows the hardware store and there's an umbrella. And these were all the threats that were threatening the independent hardware retailer. Appliance, housewares, pool, discount houses, chain stores, low cost parcel post, green stamp redemption centers. Ooh, the enemy that was the green stamp redemption centers. But it doesn't matter. When he drew this, those were the big boxes and Amazons of his day. And he has an umbrella over the store and the umbrella, it's kind of hard to read because this has our mailing tag on it. It's inventory control, store modernization and employee training. And there is a very cheesy poem, but a meaningful poem at the bottom of it that says, as each cloud appears, it creates grave fears. It will wash out sales like a strong detergent. Kindly check your tears for over the years. Each one only made him a better merchant. What's different today? What's protecting you from whatever competition is arising? Well, that'd be controlling your inventory, modernizing your store, and keeping your employees trained. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The longer your view of history, and like I said, we've got a century and a quarter of history watching this industry the more you get to put things in context. But while I am extremely concerned about where independent retailers are headed, I am forever hopeful because 
I have, and our association has, a little bit of that long view. We have seen these problems come, and we have seen independent retailers in this industry respond to them. You guys are embracing adaptation. You guys have always looked for ways to evolve your business. So when we talk about things like technology, when we talk about things like implementing electronic shelf labels or adding robots to your store, I hope you guys got on the robots good side. When we talk about those kind of things, are you gonna be the retailer that says, well, I mean, technology's not for me. My customers don't want a website. My customer, I don't want a robot roaming my aisles. Or are you gonna be the stores that say, no, we're like these stores back then. We're gonna look to modernize because that's traditionally how independent home improvement retailers have met these challenges. Look at all the independent pharmacies that are out there today. Look at all the independent houseware stores that are out there today. Look at all the independent toy stores that are out there today. Not a whole lot, right? There's some boutique ones. Well, why are there still 38,000 independent home improvement retailers? Because you're a different breed. Because you have embraced change. Because you have had the help and support of people like the sponsors we listed on the first slide. Do not let the solutions change your approach to how you go to market. And today, guys, like I said, I am very concerned. We're at a big shift. The pandemic and the two years we went through was like walking into one of those Star Trek wormholes where you just shift forward in time. Our industry, the way consumers interact, accelerated at a 10-year pace over a two-year period. I use my wife as an example a lot because she's a pretty classic analog of the consumer you guys are all after. She's a little bit more to the, me than that. She's a classic analog of Dan's wife. But before the pandemic, we had never ordered groceries for delivery. Never. Never thought about it. During the pandemic, you kind of had to do that. Now, every week, my wife sits down one day a week, puts together her grocery orders, and uses multiple services, and puts in her grocery order. The only reason she runs to the store is if she forgot something or she needs something specialized that we can't get through Instacart. That changed in two years. If my wife is changing the way she's interacting there, why wouldn't people change they interact with you? It is here, folks, and we've got to, if we are going to survive, we've got to embrace those things. And like I said, I'm not concerned at all about your ability to overcome this challenge. It would be egotistical and naive for any one of us to say that at this period in time, there's no way you guys can overcome these issues when you have overcome so many of those issues in the past. But what I am concerned about is a pervasive attitude that I tend to see developing amongst retailers. An insidious thought process that seems to plague a lot of these organizations. And it's rooted in self-doubt. It's rooted in, I can't do that. I can't be Amazon. I can't be Instacart.
I hear that so much anymore. This paralysis through analysis where people are like, I don't know how to add every SKU to my e-commerce site. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to keep up on that stuff. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell myself I don't need a website because my customers don't want it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But that's just not simply the case. And that is more difficult to break through than figuring out how do we all come together to figure out how do we get to where we need to be together. The video you watched before I came on, we are stronger together. You might not have the answer, you might not have the answer, you might not have the answer, but I guarantee you, looking around this room, we will be stronger together and we can come up with those answers together. The folks you'll see on this stage today, take notes, listen and watch what they are doing because they are coming up with some of those answers. Let's talk a little bit as we get into kind of this state of the industry, what's going on. That was my kind of philosophical setup, philosophical setup of, of where we are as a mindset in the industry right now. But let's talk about some numbers here. You guys might not realize this, but I wanna make sure for the distributors and the vendors in the room that we talk about this. Half the sales, one half of all home improvement sales in the United States flow through independent retailers. 283 billion with a B flows through independent retailers. The other, you know, is concentrated amongst three or four companies. But 283 billion, I challenge any vendor in this room to say, you know what, I'm not gonna worry about that $283 billion opportunity, I'm gonna focus over here. Yet we've seen that. But you guys still represent half the sales. When it comes to storefronts, independent retailers outnumber the big boxes 10 to one. For every big box, you gotta drive around 10 independent retailers. What we also saw during the pandemic was we saw independent home improvement retailers gain market share. You guys had an opportunity. Customers said, hmm, I don't know about going into the big boxes right now. I'm a little concerned with all those things that were going on. I feel a little bit better going to my independent store. That was a gift to you. It exposed customers to you that might not have been exposed to you for a long time. So what are we gonna do with that? Another reason why independent retailers make a big difference in supporting the channel is independent retailers make independent buying decisions. You rely on new products to drive consumer interest and traffic. You customize your assortments to meet your market's needs. And you continue, like we're all doing here, to look for partners to help you grow. You are agile. We talked about that. And the channel like the folks we featured here, like the folks that are at this conference, needs to continue to rally around and support you for all these reasons. One of the things that I've said a lot is one of your benefits, one of your attributes, one of your value propositions as an independent retailer is that you guys are truly retailers. And what do I mean by that? Since it's a big room, I won't ask someone to shout it out, Home Depot's not a retailer. They tell you they're not a retailer. On the front of their stores, it says, America's favorite home improvement what? Warehouse. They are a warehouse that is open to the public. 
that's not retailing. That's stocking products and opening your doors for customers to make those decisions. A retailer is an advocate for their customers. Kind of the buzzword these days is you are guys are curators. Your job as a retailer is to know your market, select the products that are right for the market, and bring them to the market at reasonable prices. That's what a retailer does. Warehouse puts them on 25-foot racks and opens the doors and says, pick what you want. So that is a strategic advantage for you. So why is now, you know, I've said this a couple times already, why is now such a critical time? Well, let's talk about where we are right now. For the first half of 2023, sales in the channel as we track them are down about 3.2% over last year. You guys can all, you know, compare yourselves to what we're seeing with that. You guys are fighting things like pricing deflation, struggling to hold on to margins. We're seeing store traffic, which was down for a long time, starting to increase, but basket size, which had gone up, is starting to come down. But there are still opportunities. Things that concern me right now, the COVID bump, technology as a leveler, demographic trends, the need for tailored assortments, and a continued desire to shop local. When I talk about the COVID bump, what am I talking about? You guys all, probably over the last two years, you got really smart and sales just exploded for two years for most of you. Well, there were a lot of factors driving that. Sure, you're smart, but consumers really couldn't do anything else, so they had to improve their houses, had to invest in their homes, so they came to you to spend that money. Um, but, like I said, it was an opportunity for customers to rediscover what the independents bring to the channel. This is something that's very apt for why we're here today. Technology is a leveler. It's not this big spooky thing to be scared of and to avoid. It is what can bring you onto the same playing field as the big boxes or the online pure plays. If you embrace technology, you can reach your market more effectively. You can respond to customer demands. You can create more efficiencies in your business. The other thing that's concerning, but is also encouraging, is we're seeing demographic shifts. All those people that moved to the cities before the pandemic are starting to move back to the suburbs and rural communities. Home Depot isn't gonna drop a store in a community with 10,000 people, they can't. But there's independent stores that can go there. So that's a strong trend for independent retailers. Those millennials that everybody talked about, why aren't they having families? Why aren't they building houses? Why aren't they buying houses? They're starting to do all that. They're engaging. So those customers you thought were just gone and weren't gonna come back, they are here. That's an opportunity for you. And something I like to call the TikTok effect. You know, someone mentioned we had a um, generational roundtable where we brought in consumers from across the generations. And some old fart like me in the roundtable made a comment about these kids today don't do DIY. And someone said, have you ever watched TikTok? That's all it about. Half of the crap that's out on TikTok is people doing DIY projects. It might not be pouring a concrete slab. It's different kinds of projects. But the person that responded, she was saying, just look at TikTok. 
It's all DIY projects. So it's interesting that it's just a generational look. Right now, cust customers, has anybody ever hear, heard of a concept called the paradox of choice? It's an interesting concept, and there's actually books written about this. It was a study, one of the things regarding this was a study down out of, done out of the UK, where they actually presented customers with more choices. I think it was jams and jellies. They presented them with 25 choices of jams and jellies. Then they tested other assortments that had a focused, tailored assortment of five or six jams or jellies. Customers bought more off of the assortments that were smaller, that were tailored. Because the paradox was, when I'm presented with more choices, sometimes I can't make a choice. I need someone to help me make a choice. What a great opportunity for independent retailers. Out of COVID, we still see a continued desire for people to concentrate locally with their purchases. I know I'm one of these people, but consumers were hit smack in the face during COVID. That restaurant we really liked to go to went away because not enough people were going to visit it. That happened all over the place. And consumers were given this stark reality of, man, if we don't support these businesses, huh, they go away. And we don't like that. So consumers are still primed to say, I want to support my local businesses. So all those things, every one of those things I just presented with you is a challenge and an opportunity. So what are you going to do to address those issues? So let's talk a little bit more. In a different presentation I give, I call this five things that are keeping independent retailers up at night, but let's just talk about them as challenges that we see the industry facing right now. Well, one is the economy. And I, I tried to put these funny little things to show that I know what a meme is. Um, for those of us who are perhaps old enough to remember the movie Animal House, there's the scene where a riot's breaking out and the young Kevin Bacon is standing in the street screaming, remain calm, all is well, as chaos is bursting around him. And that's kind of what it seems like with the economy. We have questions about what is the new normal? What the heck is going on with the housing market? What is going on with recession, inflation, emerging trends? You guys, what is the new normal? It was a big question we've gotten at our association over the last year. How the heck do I budget? Over the last two years, you guys saw sales increase stacked 30%. How do you, and now I just said we're down 3.2% for the first time we've seen a decline in sales in about three years. So people were saying, what the heck do I do? I don't know what's real and what's not real. These unprecedented changes we're seeing caused by things going on in the economy, stresses on the supply chain, consumer behavior changes. All of you guys have changed your buying philosophies. Where you might've been loyal to one source of supply or one brand, you learned during the pandemic, man, I gotta spread my, I gotta look at other options, you know? If I can't get brand A because they can't ship to me, well, I'll look at brand B or C. All those have changed. These questions, how do I budget? How do I buy? How do I handle booking orders? How are customers going to behave like Dan's wife over the long term? 
How do I, how do I evaluate my operational performance when I've seen these top line sales just go ridiculous? The problem is with things like the housing market, guys, there is no quick end. There's things going on in the housing market that make no sense. Housing is still strong while interest rates have doubled. You talk to economists and they're like, eh? <laughs> you know, everything's, well, it's always a guess with economists, but right now it's like, well, you know, we're not quite sure. Are we in a recession, a precession, a depression? Spin the wheel and pick an economist and they'll give you a different answer. How are you acting to inflation, reacting to inflation? You know, I say it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. You guys all benefited when inflation was happening, as long as you could keep up your buying with prices inflating. Well, now it's rapid deflation. And how could you react to that? You know, other economic things that are more demographic in nature, what we just talked about. How are we going to respond to those shifts? Those are all questions that are keeping independent retailers up at night. The next thing, and I'm sure a lot of you will start nodding your heads, is employees. I can't tell you how many things we have heard over the last two years about, oh, you can't get good help. Uh, I don't know what to do with my employee. All these things. And I put, this is my little choice for up there. If you can't read it in the back, it says 78 cents a pound, long yellow things. And that's what this employee did because I guess he didn't know how to spell banana. So in employee engagement, you guys are dealing with rising wages, employee productivity training, automation, bench building. Guys, who has seen rage, wages, wages, rage, maybe it's a Freudian slip here. Who has seen wages increase in the last couple of years? Yeah, almost all of you. This has been a long time coming though, guys. But what the pandemic did was accelerated. It walked it forward rapidly. We went from seeing people pay eight, $9 an hour to now paying $15, $16 an hour. And that's the new normal. In one of the roundtables I moderate, one of the people said, when are we gonna see this start going in the other direction? And the speaker at the round table says, you're not. You can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. It's not going to go back in the other direction. Employee productivity. Another very bright, very progressive retailer said in one of our groups, I really don't care how much I have to pay my employees as long as I can get the productivity I need out of them. So they shifted their focus and said, well, okay, we, we're gonna pay to have the, some of the best wages in our market to make us competitive, but we're gonna start looking at different things. How do we get more out of those people that we're now paying prime salaries to? And they started focusing on things like hiring strategically, delivering better training, better equipping their tool teams with things like handheld devices and embracing automation and technology. Go talk to some of the electronic shelf label people. Go talk to the robot folks. They'll tell you how much they can save in man hours by implementing their products. That's the kind of things you need to embrace to address these things. Training, we at NHPA have really built our organization around delivering training at all levels. Our phones have been ringing off the hook for two years. Kim can attack Kim. Kim, we're, we're, we're taking samples of Kim's DNA to try and clone her. Scott's the same way, but his is, his is very old DNA, so it's a little bit harder. But because 
we can't keep up with the demand for training. Because people are saying, man, if I'm investing 18 bucks an hour in someone, I'm not gonna put them out there with three hours of training and expect them to deliver productivity. We just talked about automation and there's a picture of our robot friend. Another buzzword that we keep hearing, buzz phrase, is bench building. One of the biggest inhibitors, and we have some friends out here, I think they're out here today, that are with an organization that is one of the most aggressive growth-focused organizations out there. Our friends, I'll, I'll name drop for them, is our friends from JC Licht, uh, paint and hardware de uh, retailer out of Chicago. And one of the things they focus on is, man, if we're gonna keep adding stores, if we're gonna keep growing, we, get, we need to have a constant supply of people. If I'm gonna open a store, new store, I need a manager who can run that store. So they're focusing on how do we build our team? How do we build that bench? And continue to give them opportunity. It's a symbiotic relationship. I'm gonna keep growing to give you more opportunity, but you've gotta to dedicate to learning what you need to do to run those jobs. Number three. Inventory. And I kind of need to change this slide because this was more appropriate about nine months ago. On the left, it says what the back looks like. On the right, it's what the customer thinks the back looks like. But issues we're dealing with in inventory management, when we, and, and Scott and Kim could attest to this, one of the biggest projects that we hear retailers focusing on right now is, man, I got to get my inventory right. I'm either over-inventoried because I bought so damn much during the COVID when I didn't know if I could get more products, or I'm, I'm, now, I'm now more concerned about doing just-in-time fulfillment because, man, I, you couldn't do that for two years. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get their inventory right. You know, I talk about PTSD, and I'm not, of course, I'm not trying to minimize actual PTSD here, but there's a lot of you that are still shell-shocked about what you went through. I don't think I would, and this isn't a knock, it certainly isn't, on our great friends and supporters in the wholesale community or in the vendor community. I, if you would have told me 10 years ago, at any point in time, you're going to have wholesalers bragging about 75% fill rates, I would have said, that's just, that doesn't make any sense. Thank goodness we're seeing a lot of those through hard work on the vendor and distributor front to get those levels back up. But a lot of you guys are still shell-shocked about 75% fill rates. I can't let that happen again. So you adjusted your assortments, you stockpiled, you panic bought, but how do we deal with that now? How do we deal with these other changes in buying behavior? Like I talked about you guys, your consumers. You trended away from just-in-time inventory. You focused, you saw some vendors focus on, we have a line of 37 SKUs. Well, man, when manufacturing's tough, we're trimming it down to our A and B items. Well, what happens to the rest of that? That's a big question that's still out there. Has anybody noticed or thought to themselves in the last two years, what happened to all the promotions? One of the ways we stay competitive is by buying and, and offering, do promo buying to build margin and get customers in our store. Those are a lot leaner these days. You know, inflation at the stored level. You guys were able to hold margins, but how do you deal with it when inflation turns the other direction and we're now in deflation? I was with a retailer before, during the height of the pandemic, that pointed to an item and said, 
I don't want to sell any of these. I don't want to sell these right now because I'm going to take a loss on every one of these items because the price was like this and they bought at the wrong time in the cycle. So how are retailers like you guys dealing with those issues right now? New items. Remember earlier on I said something about new items or one of the reasons you guys can remain competitive is because new items, the lifeblood, new item rollouts really slowed down in the last couple of years. So how are you dealing with that? How are you partnering, partnering with the channel? Um, I'd say five, 10 years ago, one of the most common questions I would get when someone from the mainstream media would call and say, hey, they, they had this narrative in their mind, you know, that the big boxes are putting the little guy out of business. And they would call me and say, well, how many stores are going out of business? What's the biggest threat to independent retailers? And they were always surprised by my comments at the time. I would never say big boxes. They were always surprised that the big boxes didn't shut down independent retailers in swaths. But my answer at that point was succession. The average hardware store owner at the time, I think was 63 years old. And there was no great plan for what was gonna happen as those owners got to a point where they had to get out of their businesses. And we have seen so many owners have to close productive businesses because they didn't have a plan in place. Luckily right now, we're seeing some of that changes. But again, all of these problems guys straddle the line between yes, it's a problem, but there are solutions if we work together. So there's uncertainty on both ends of the spectrum. The older folks getting out of the business and the younger folks coming in. Um, you know, like I said, a decade ago, that was the biggest question facing the industry. And there are still questions, but we're also bringing in, as we showcased last night with our young retailers, an era of new ideas, of people who don't say, robots have no place in my business or my customers don't want a website. A generation that understands being aggressive and embracing change. But we're also seeing more opportunities for partnerships and alliances. And those are more important than they ever were. And guys, there will be winners and losers. A lot of the headwinds we see, a lot of the challenges for business transition, quite frankly, is an overinflated ego and sense of self-worth. I can't tell you how many people come to us with an idea of my business is worth X, only to find out it's worth half that. Economic issues around retiring that slide on the economy affects all of our savings. So can you afford to retire now? Where there'll be enough young progressive retailers like the ones we honored last night who are wanting to get into the business. And another thing, folks, is what we talked about with the bench building. There's a leadership drought. I've had retailers tell me, I would love to open a store every six months. I just don't have the people to do it. And then there's technology hurdles. You know, and a lot of this brings up this larger question of what is the new model for an independent retailer? Can single store operators be competitive moving forward? Is it all about geography? Meaning maybe the value proposition has changed to a point where the only thing that's important is where I put my stores. As an independent retailer, how do you have the ability to scale? How do you grow? 
how do you do things that require a bigger investment? Hint, hint, partnerships. When the business becomes a shark, what I mean by that is sharks that have to constantly keep swimming to flood water through their gills so they can get oxygen. A lot of businesses and a lot of business owners in this industry that are successful say, if you ain't growing, you're dying. And there's starting to be more truth behind that. And what's the end game? You know, where do independents fit in? This is a pretty big identity crisis. In the past, if someone asked, how do independent home improvement retailers differentiate themselves from the competition? The answers were simple. Better customer service, friendlier, more convenient, okay? Are you still more convenient when I can pick up my phone and have products at my doorstep by four o'clock this afternoon? Are you more convenient than that? Product knowledge, do I need to come into your store to ask you how to uh, install a ceiling fan? And go grab my phone over there and, and Google it and find about five illustrated videos on how to install a ceiling fan. So if those aren't your value propositions, what is it? Lastly up here, guys, my good friend and the philosopher Homer Simpson said, ah, beer, the cause of and solution to all life's problems. The same could apply to technology, which is why we're here. It's the cause of and solution to many of the problems we talked about. And the pandemic has changed the playing field here too. When we talk about technology, we are not just talking about e-commerce. We are talking about technology to build scale. We are talking about technology to create efficiencies, to get your employees more productive. But where do you invest? How do you manage that technology? I mean, guys, the playing field changed. When we asked retailers coming out of the pandemic, who you guys had all seen this windfall of profits, where you were going to invest that, 56% of you said, we're investing that in technology. It forced you into action. I bet you the guy that told me two years ago that my customers don't want a website is either out of business or he's singing a different song today. Like I said, guys, it's beyond e-commerce. E-commerce is hugely important, but it's about, and by the way, no one has this figured out. Do yourself a favor. Go try and use Home Depot to buy stuff for a project. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. Go buy a product from Lowe's online and go through the process. Return it if you want. Go through the process and ask yourself after you've gone through their process, was that any easier than me just going to the store to pick up the product? It's not. No one has this figured out. So there's opportunity for you guys. One retailer that I'm very familiar with says, it's all about scale. It's all about us finding access to problems that we alone cannot figure out. So how do we use technology to build that scale? Where do you invest? Guys, these are all questions that I hope, hope, hope that over the rest of the day today and yesterday, you talk to each other, you listen to the panelists, and you go and talk to the vendors about where should I invest to solve some of these issues. And then once you implement that, demand from your industry partners, demand from the vendors out there and the distributors and the retail solutions providers. Our relationship doesn't end when I buy your product. You have to help me 
throughout this process of implementing and maintaining that technology. So how do we work together to help you guys sleep a, more, a little bit more soundly? You know, the channel has to ask, is consolidation really healthy? Sure, some of it is. But over the long term, if you're a vendor, do you want to be dealing instead of with 38,000 stores? Do you want to be dealing with 36,000 stores that are owned by 12 different companies? You know, then what we really have is the big boxes. What resources are we willing to invest in? How do you earn loyalty when loyalty is strained from your customers? And can we all become part of the solution? How do we solve the economic things? Guys, we're all consumers. Chris Hood said it yesterday. We're all shoppers, we're all consumers. Spend, have children, consume. <laughs> Do those things, but remain calm. Like Kevin Bacon said, as he's being trampled by the hordes, remain calm. Economies have cycles. The worst thing we can do is panic. Employee engagement, share best practices. Call Scott and Kim. They see a lot of those best practices in action and can help you implement that. And two lucky companies here later will have Kim coming to their stores to help them in exactly that process. When it comes to inventory concerns, insist that your distributors and your vendors communicate, communicate, communicate. Ask them those hard questions. Sorry, vendors. Ask those hard questions. When are promos coming back? What are you doing with new item rollouts? What are your plans for your lines of SKUs? And you know what? The folks that are here, the folks that already pledge to help support the independents, they're gonna happily answer those questions for you. I hope, right guys? Um, but ask those tough questions. Business transition and growth, please guys, please. I don't care if you're 35 or 65. Know the value of your business. You can't go around thinking your business is worth X when it's really worth Y. NHPA can also help you in that regard. Have a succession plan, whether you're 35 or 65. You could step out on the Dallas street and get hit by a bus and things change pretty quickly. And technology guys, while you're sitting here, share best practices with another, engage with your channel partners, talk to, I mean, the folks that do it best that just rolled out an e-com program, the folks at or the new refreshed e-com program, the folks at, the folks at Oracle that, 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 that have this whole industry PIM with hundreds of thousands of items and descriptions, the folks at True Value that are focused on helping you in these regards, talk to them. How can we do this together? Tech adoption should be part of your selection process when selecting vendors too. How can all of your vendors help you in this regard? And then sharing data and insights. Guys, what it all comes down to is where we started today, working together. That's the most important thing. Support from the channel, not just one another, but continuing to demand events like this. We will continue to deliver them, but you need to continue to demand. We need to work together if the independent retailer is gonna solve these issues and continue to thrive. We can't cease to cooperate, share insights, or support one another. And we can't refuse to embrace the tools like websites that can make our engagement with customers even stronger. And we cannot enter this new era of retailing with one of our feet just firmly planted in yesterday. We've gotta be willing to move that all along.
Guys, we are stronger together. It's where we started. Let's go win this. Let's not be content to say, how does the independent retailer survive? Let's talk about, damn it, how we're going to go win this, how we are going to do better than Amazon, how we're going to do better than Home Depot, how we're going to leverage all these things that we've leveraged for hundreds of years to be competitive and not just survive, but thrive. And the key to that is doing it together, guys. Thank you so much for listening to me yammer on for 45 minutes here. Thank you, guys. Thank you.